0: SECTION 10 OF MEMOIRS OF MISS SIDNEY BIDDULPH This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. MEMOIRS OF MISS SIDNEY BIDDULPH BY FRANCIS SHERIDAN VOLUME One CONTINUED SEPTEMBER the 16th My mother asked me today, had I considered of what she had been saying to me. I told her I had, and only begged a little more time. She kissed me with tears in her eyes. To be sure, my dear, as much as you can reasonably desire, I know my Sydney is above trifling. Mrs. Vere was present when my mother left the room. "'Oh, Miss Biddulph,' said she, "'who would refuse to gratify such a parent as that? "'Had my mother condescended to treat me so, "'I am sure she could have wrought on me to do anything she liked.' "'even though it had been repugnant to my inclination. "'Dear madam,' I replied, "'how sweetly you enforce my duty. "'Yes, I will obey that kindest, best of mothers.' "'I believe I spoke this, though without intending it, "'in a tone that implied something "'like making a merit of this concession, "'for Mrs. Vere immediately answered, "'There's a good child,' that to oblige its mamma will accept of a very handsome young gentleman with a good estate, and one that many a girl in England would give her eyes for. I felt the rebuke, but turning it off with a smile said, But you forget, my dear, that I am not dying for him. September 20th How will you plume yourself on your sagacity, Cecilia, when you read this account of my love which you so wisely foretold? I can tell you I am trying to like Mr. Arnold as fast as I can. I make him sing and play for this purpose from morning till night, for he is here every day and all day. Lady Grimston holds her head a quarter of a yard higher than she did before, and looks, as who should say, "'It was I that brought this about.' The Dean is as frolic as May Day upon it, for he is very fond of Mr. Arnold, but tells him he will not forgive him for robbing him of his second wife, for such, he says, he intended me. I think his daughter, a pretty girl of about seventeen, looks a little grave of late. I hope she does not like Mr. Arnold herself. I wish my mother would take it into her head that she was in love with him, and that Mr. Arnold would promise to marry her. Then should I a second time crown me with a willow garland. But there is no fear of this, or rather no hope. "'Lady Grimston has given my mother such a character of Mr. Arnold "'that if you will take her word for it, "'there is not a man like him in the world, "'and my mother firmly believes every syllable she says. "'She told me to-day she would write to Sir George "'to give him an account of the matter and desire his advice. "'This is a compliment she would not omit paying for any consideration.' though I know my brother's judgment has now lost all credit with her, and that, let his opinion be what it will, she is firmly resolved on her new plan. Knowing as you do my mother's firmness when once she is possessed with a thing, you will not wonder that I did not make attempts to alter her mind, which I knew would be fruitless. She likes Mr. Arnold prodigiously, She piques herself on her skill in physiognomy, and says if she is deceived in this gentleman, she will never again rely on that science. Lady Grimston is so fond of him that I wonder she did not marry him herself. September 23rd. We have received two letters from Sir George, one in answer to my mother's, the other to me. I will give them both to you. The following is a copy of that to my mother. To Dorothy from George Madam, I thank you for the honour you do me in asking my advice in regard to the proposal of marriage you have received for my sister, but I am entirely disqualified from giving you any, as I am an absolute stranger both to the person and character of the gentleman you mention, as you are absolute mistress of your daughter's will, as well as of her person, I shall not presume to interfere in this nice point. If the marriage is not already agreed upon, which may be the case, notwithstanding the compliment you do me the favour to pay me, I think it would be generous in you to see Miss B and hear what she has to say before you proceed farther. But in this, as in everything else, Your own discretion must guide you. I am, madame, your affectionate son and most obedient servant. George Biddulph, London, September twenty-second. My mother was exceedingly displeased with this letter. She said Sir George had a haughtiness in him that was very offensive to her. I have acquitted myself in applying to him, and shall give myself no farther trouble about him or his opinion. As for Miss B, I think she can hardly be under a necessity of coming to town as yet, and that affair may keep cold, for I have but little curiosity to hear what the poor soul may be prompted to say, as I am sure I shall be time enough to afford her any assistance she may stand in need of. This was the whole of her observation. My brother's letter to me is as follows. Dear Sydney, I received with concern, though I own not with surprise, an account from my mother of a new treaty of marriage that is on foot between you and a Mr. Arnold, of whom I know nothing. Instead of congratulating you on this occasion, I cannot help condoling with you, for I have a better opinion of your heart than to suppose it can have so soon renounced poor Falkland. I do not reproach you for your acquiescence in giving him up. I know you could not do otherwise. But why, in the name of precipitancy, are you to be hurried into wedlock already? You went into the country to recover your health, I thought. Prithee How comes this new husband into your way? I know, child, it is not of your seeking, and do from my heart pity you. I would by no means have you guilty of a breach of duty to your mother, but for heaven's sake, why don't you try your influence over her to have this sudden scheme of matrimony suspended till she sees and talks to this girl that Falkland refers her to? If the wench owns that he was not to blame so much as she was herself, and relinquishes all pretensions to him, don't you think she, my mother I mean, would in that case remain bound in honour to yield you to his prior claim? Indeed, Sidney, I must blame you for this part of your conduct. It looks like a strange insensibility in you. "'I know you will urge your perfect submission to your mother's will, "'and I know, too, that will is as absolute as that of an Eastern monarch. "'I therefore repeat it. "'I do not mean to reproach you with your compliance, "'but I am vexed to the heart and must give it vent.' I see plainly that old piece of formality, Lady Grimston's infernal shriveled pay in all this. For my mother of herself I am sure would not have thought of disposing of you without your liking, so soon, after an affair that had created you so much uneasiness, unless it had been suggested to her by somebody. Prithee! tell me what sort of a man this Arnold really is, for I do not depend on the partial representations I have had of him. I wish Miss B were come to town, but she has not yet arrived. I inquired for her of Falkland's housekeeper, by the name of Jeffreys. The woman is at the house at Putney, waiting to receive her, but does not know how soon she will come.' "'would she had been buried before Falkland saw her? "'I shall expect a letter from you soon. "'How comes it that you never mentioned Mr. Arnold to me "'in any that you have writ? "'But I excuse you, and am, "'your affectionate brother, G.B., London, September 22nd. "'You see, this is Sir George himself, my dear, A mixture of petulancy and indelicacy. There is one thing in him, however, commendable—his steady adherence to his friend's interests. You find how impossible for me it is to show such a letter to my mother! By his strange unguarded manner of writing which he does not consider, he defeats his own purposes. For if any use could be made of that part of his letter relative to Miss B., I could not show my mother part without letting her see the whole. But that is not to be done, and I can only thank my good fortune that I received this and the last letter from him without her knowledge. I will now give you my answer to this letter, which I wrote by the return of the post. To George from Sydney. Dear brother, I thank you for your condolments, that can assure you my heart is not in such a situation as to require any. I own I had all the esteem for Mr. Falkland which I thought his merit deserved. Duty to my good mother and an undeniable blemish in his character first wrought a change in my sentiments towards him. My own peace of mind now requires me to improve that change into indifference." You do me justice in supposing that I should never think of seeking a husband, and you have formed as right a judgment in regard to Lady Grimston's being the promoter of this union. As for Mr. Arnold, though perhaps had I never known your friend, he might not have been the man of my choice, yet I have no dislike of him. I believe him to be a very worthy gentleman, and that my mother has not been partial in her representations. I am sure at least she has said nothing of him but what she has seen or been told, and has good reason to believe. I wish, dear brother, you had writ with more caution, that I might have laid before my mother what you said in relation to Miss B. It may have its weight with me though I cannot answer for it having any with her. Do you forget her having told me that she conceived a sort of horror at the thoughts of my marrying Mr. Falkland? She cannot but be sensible that Miss B is not without her share of blame in that affair which has so perplexed us all. But you know, too, that does not exculpate Mr. Falkland. The young lady's relinquishing her hopes— for a claim I think she does not make, would only the more excite my mother's compassion and interest her in her favour. To sum up the whole in one word, my mother is resolved, and you yourself acknowledge that her will is absolute. She has used the most irresistible arguments to obtain my consent, that is, that it would make her happy. Spare then, my dear brother, unkind reflections on any part of my behaviour, for I am determined to pursue through life that rule of conduct which I have hitherto invariably adhered to. I mean that of preferring to my own the happiness of those who are most dear to me. I am, etc. September the 25th. Mr. Arnold has so many advocates here that his interest cannot fail of being promoted. Mrs. Vere admires him, the Dean commends him, my mother praises him, Lady Grimston extols him to the skies. No one is silent but the young girl that I mentioned to you before. She only colours and hangs down her head when he is spoken of. I really begin to fear that the poor thing loves him. But he never made any addresses to her, and I hope does not suspect it. Things are now gone so far that my mother and Lady Grimston talk today of settlements. Mr. Arnold receives but £1200 a year from his estate, his brother's widow, as I have already told you, having a jointure upon it of £300 a year. She lives entirely in London, and is, I am told, a very imprudent woman, and not at all esteemed by the family. The elder Mr. Arnold and she were married several years, but never had a child. The last two years of his life, his wife and he lived separate, her conduct having given room for some suspicions very injurious to her husband's honour. The Arnold estate was originally a very considerable one, but has been dissipated by the extravagance of the successive possessors. What remains, however, is quite clear, and is likely to be kept so, by the good management of the present owner. His late brother was exceedingly remiss in his affairs, and spent most of his time in London, and if it had not been for Mr. Arnold, the mansion-house would have fallen to the ground but his brother lent it to him, and he kept it in repair for his own use, as he is fond of the place, though he has a pretty house in Kent, belonging to another estate, of about three hundred pounds a year, which came to him by his mother, for he is the son of a second marriage. And this, till his brother's death, was the whole of his income." "'but he is so good an economist "'that he always made a genteeler figure "'on his three hundred pounds a year "'than his brother did on twelve. "'My mother, who you know is integrity itself, "'thinks that I ought not to have more settled on me "'than the widow of Mr. Arnold's brother had, "'whose fortune was superior to mine. "'Mr. Arnold makes a much handsomer proposal.' Lady Grimston is for laying hold of it. The Dean was for striking a medium. I do not care how they settle it, but I fancy my mother will have her own way in this. She purposes going to town next week, that the wedding... Bless me, whose wedding is it that I am talking of so coolly? Well that it may be celebrated in her own house. This, to be sure, will send Sir George directly out of it. I cannot help it. I am born to give, and to receive, vexation. Mr Arnold speaks of taking a house in London, where my mother is to have an apartment whenever she chooses to be in town. This is a pleasing circumstance to me, and she likewise proposes our being sometimes with her at Sydney Castle. That is a prospect which loses much of its charms by the reflection that my dear Cecilia is not there. October 1st All preliminaries are settled. There has been a fuss with parchments this week past, My mother has carried her point in regard to the jointure, and has made a choice of that little estate in Kent to be settled on me, as it is a complete three hundred pounds a year, detached entirely from the rest, and has a pretty house on it. This was all she would accept of, though to do Mr. Arnold justice he would have been much more liberal, but my mother says, a single woman bred in retirement as I have been, who cannot live on that— does not deserve to live at all, adding that, as the estate was already subject to one jointure and the widow so young a woman, if it should be also my misfortune to become one early, a great part of the fortune would be swallowed by dowagers, and the heir not have enough to support his rank. October the 2nd. This morning my mother, Lady Grimston, the Dean, and Mr. Arnold, is the idol of them all, took a rumbling together in the old coach, by way of taking the air in a dusty road, and what do you think was the result of their deliberations in this jaunt? Why, truly, Lady Grimston, proud of her handiwork, would need see it accomplished, and nothing will serve her, but I must be married at her house.' My mother opposed it at first, but the Dean seconded the proposal, that he might have, as he expressed himself, the satisfaction of contributing himself to make Mr. Arnold happy. And Mr. Arnold, audaciously expecting, I suppose, that this would hasten the ceremony, joined his entreaty so effectually that my mother was obliged to yield. "'What a tormenting old woman is this Lady Grimston!' "'I hope at least for the respite of a month by getting to London. "'I thought first to have delayed the time of our going to town, "'and then to have faddled away a good while longer under pretence of preparations, "'though there is but little room for that now, as all my fineries, "'destined, I thought, to another purpose, are lying quietly in my trunks at home. "'But then one might have contrived many little occasions of delay.' There was a house to be fixed upon, and I had twenty things to do, and, as my mother says, many things fall out between the cup and the lip. But all my expectations are blown away, and I have but one poor fortnight given me to recollect my scattered thoughts, when they are all to be centred in Mr. Arnold. I am not merry, my Cecilia, but I am determined not to appear sad. Neither am I so. I hope I have no reason. My mother purposes writing again to Sir George to desire his presence at my marriage. I hope he will behave respectably to every one there if he should come. October the fifth. Mr Arnold has writ to town to bespeak a new chariot. He will do nothing in regard to the house till I am on the spot to please myself. I intend sending Patty to town to bring me down my bridal trappings. Mr. Arnold has given some necessary orders for the new decking of his person, as well as some of the apartments in the old mansion house, which seem a little to want refurnishing, most of the goods having been inhabitants there since the time of his great-grandfather. October the ninth. My mother's last letter to Sir George has produced the following answer, which he sent by Patty, when she returned down here with my clothes. To Dorothy from George. Madam, I am sorry I cannot accept of the invitation you favour me with to be present at my sister's nuptials. Some affairs in Wiltshire require my immediate attendance, and I had settled matters before I received your summons, so as to set out, as on this day. I wish you all imaginable satisfaction in your new son-in-law, and my sister abundance of happiness in her spouse. I am Madam, etc. London, October 8th. I am glad Sir George does not come down. I am sure if he did, his behaviour would be such as would render him no very acceptable guest at Grimston Hall. A week, but a short week to come, before my fate is irrevocably fixed, or revocable only by the hand of death. This reflection, solemn as it is, does not alarm me, because after again calling my heart to the strictest account, I think I can pronounce it entirely free. Mr. Arnold will soon have an indisputable right to it, and it is my firm purpose to use my utmost endeavours to give him entire possession of it. He every day gains upon my esteem. If his talents are not so glittering as I have seen some others possessed of, He is nevertheless master of an exceedingly good understanding, which a sort of diffidence in his manner does not suffer him to show at once to the best advantage. His temper is extremely sweet, and he seems to have an openness of heart, when he throws off a little shyness, which he has contracted, that is exceedingly engaging. His love for me appears as fervent as I believe it sincere, and I should be ungrateful not to do my utmost to return it. October 14th How precipitate has been my fortune! Twice within these three months have I been almost at the even of my intended nuptials. Those which were to have been I thought as certain as those which are now to be solemnised within two days. Who knows what may still happen to frustrate our present designs? No, there is not another Miss B. to interpose. Mr Arnold seems to be one of those who are born to pass quietly through life. He has already attained to the age of thirty without one event ever happening to him, but such as happen to every man every day. May no future storm ever interrupt his or my tranquillity they will soon be one and the same thing. October the 16th. The die is thrown, my Cecilia, and thy Sydney is the wife of Mr. Arnold. This day we were married. The good dean joined our hands, and his daughter was one of my bridesmaids. The poor girl was taken ill during the ceremony, and was obliged to leave the church. "'which has confirmed me in my suspicions. "'Oh, how I pity her! "'I believe, indeed, she only feigned illness "'for an excuse to retire. "'Mrs. Vere went out with her, "'but she would not suffer her to attend her home. "'She promised to dine with us if she should be better, "'and so she did, and seemed cheerful and pretty well, "'but I thought she looked as if she'd been crying.' she made my heart ache but i am in hopes it is but a slight wound she is exceedingly lively and i dare say she will soon get the better of it lady grimstone was downright tiresome with her compliments and preached an hour long about the duty of children to their parents, and how good a wife that woman was likely to make, who had always been exemplary in her filial obedience. Ah, Lady Grimston, thought I, by what I have heard of you, you did not seem to number obedience among wife-like virtues in your own case, though you can preach it up to others. But... I knew this sermon was chiefly intended for poor Mrs. Vere's use. My mother was all kindness and complacency. She seemed so delighted that I rejoiced in having had it in my power to give her so much happiness. Lady Grimston did the honours of her house on this occasion with great magnificence, and I believe I need not tell you with most exquisite decorum. Indeed, this wedding was conducted with such decent festivity, so rationally on all sides and such a comfortable privacy, that I was not half so much shocked as I expected to have been. We have no company here besides the family of the house, my dear good old Dean, his lady and daughter, one young lady more, and a relation of Mr. Arnold's, a gentleman who came from London on purpose to be present on this as it is called, joyful occasion. We shall leave this house to-morrow, Mr. Arnold and I, I mean. I am to be put into possession of the old mansion of Arnold Abbey. My mother is to continue with Lady Grimston a week or a fortnight longer, and then she goes to London— on no other call, as she says, but to see and administer comfort to poor Miss B, who, she supposes, will be by that time come to her retreat. I believe I shall remain in the country while the weather continues pleasant, but am not yet determined. October the 17th We took leave of Lady Grimston this morning, or rather, of her house, for her ladyship my dear mother and all the good folks that were our guests at grimston hall are to dine with us to-day at arnold abbey i desired i might be permitted to go home without any parade and in as private a manner as possible for you know how i hate a bustle Mr Arnold very obligingly indulged me in this request and conducted my sweet Mrs Vere and me home in his own coach at 8 of the clock this morning I found everything in exact order at Arnold Abbey the house is very spacious and convenient though very old fashioned some of the rooms however are newly fitted up perfectly neat and handsome The servants are orderly and well behaved and everything seems to be exactly well regulated. You may be sure I have taken my own patty home with me. I intend to constitute her housekeeper and give her an additional salary for her additional trouble. Mr. Arnold had nobody in that capacity before, as his household had not been settled since the acquisition of his fortune, and he reserved the choosing of so material domestic to me. But, as I do not love to multiply servants, and know that Patty is very capable of the place, I shall take no other. October the 21st "'Visitors are still in abundance. "'All the gentry in the neighbourhood for some miles about "'have been to pay us their compliments. "'At least I hope by this time they have all been here, "'for we have not had a minute to ourselves these three days. "'It will take me up ten to return them, "'as many of the families live at a good distance from hence. "'Mr. Arnold, whose mourning has been laid aside since our wedding-day,' seems to have a very good taste in dress. He is perfectly well-shaped, and appears to great advantage in colours. In short, he is more amiable than I thought he was. It is with great pleasure that I observe my young acquaintance, on whose heart I feared Mr. Arnold had made an impression, has recovered her usual vivacity, with people extremely full of spirits, love is not apt to sink very deep or last long when it does not meet with a return. October the thirtieth, my mother sets out for London to-morrow, and Mr. Arnold has proposed to me that he and I should accompany her. He says he wants to look out for a house, and should like to fix in one before the winter advances, and that we may take up our abode at my mother's till our house is ready for us. My mother is charmed at this proposal. She dreads the thought of parting with me, and as she intends going after a convenient stay in London, down to Sydney Castle, if I remain here, our separation must be immediate. I know this is Mr. Arnold's kind reason for desiring me to go. He thinks I should be less affected at parting with my mother when in the midst of the various scenes which London affords, than I should be if I were to continue here. He gives not this for a reason, but I know it is his true one, for he is not fond of London himself, especially at a season of the year when the country is so much more agreeable. I thanked him for this mark of his tenderness, and am determined to go. October the 31st, once more returned to London in very good spirits after a stay of little more than two months in Essex, in which time so material and unexpected a change has been made in my condition. Lady Grimston took a most affectionate leave of my mother, and asked her, with more tenderness than I thought her capable of, how many ages it would be before we should meet again. As for Mr. Arnold and me, she considers us as her neighbours. The Dean pleases himself with that expectation too, and the dear Mrs. Vere, who shed tears at bidding me adieu, promises herself the happiness, as she kindly expressed herself, of spending many delightful days with me next summer. She set out on her return to her own house at the same time that we left ours, to go to town. My brother is still in Wiltshire, but I find he did not leave town at the time he mentioned in his letter to my mother, nor for some days after. This Patty learned from the servants, but I hope it will not come to my mother's ears, for she would take it extremely ill of him. Mr. Arnold, for the first time, mentioned that he was very much disappointed in not having had the honour of seeing Sir George at his house in the country, but he hoped, when he came to town, his brother and he should make up for this by being the more together. I wish Sir George may behave as he ought to this deserving brother. Mr. Arnold little imagines how much he was an enemy to the match, and much less the reason for it. I should be very sorry Mr. Arnold were to know how near I was being married to another man. It might give a delicate mind pain, lest there should remain any traces of this former attachment in the breast of a woman he loves, but I hope there is no danger of his hearing of it. Certainly no one would be so indiscreet as to mention it to him. Mr. Arnold has lived chiefly in the country, and may never have heard of Mr. Falkland, as he was so short a time returned from his travels, on which he had been absent more than five years, and, as he is now out of the kingdom, probably he will not be spoken of. I have begged of my mother, who is naturally communicative, never to name Mr. Falkland to Mr. Arnold, and have given my reasons for desiring this. She says she thinks it would be better to tell him the whole affair at once. But I cannot agree with her in that opinion, and have at last prevailed on her to promise me she will not speak of it. End of section ten.